Yeah, good. Okay, fine. Um, so before I start, I'm going to pray. Uh, so here we go. Yeah, Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is our foundation, it is our authority, and it sustains us. Lord, you are the chef and I am the waiter, just trying to get the dish to the table. So please help me not spill it or make a mess. In Jesus' name, amen. So hey, um, my name is Matt. Uh, I have been coming to the community church uh, for 12 years now. I'm married to Esther. We've been uh, married for 10 years and we met at the community church. Uh, We have two children, Skye, who is five, and Lily, who is four. And our family's claim to fame is that my wife Esther was the first person to be baptised in that baptistry right there. So you are among royalty. That's a joke. Okay, uh, so um, uh, as a church, we've been going through um, the I am statements uh, that, that Jesus made. We've looked at uh, I am the bread of life, uh, I am the good shepherd, I am the gate, uh, I am the resurrection and the life. And Gareth spoke to us last week about uh, Jesus saying, I am the way the truth, and the life. And today, uh, I'm going to be talking on Jesus' statement that he made, I am the true vine. So uh, today, we're going to turn to chapter 15 uh, in, uh, in John. Uh, so if you've got your Bibles with you, please do turn to that now. Um, but before we read our passage, uh, I just want to give us some context. Uh, so um, in John 12, uh, Jesus has entered Jerusalem to crowds of adoration and worship as they bring in and welcome the king into Jerusalem. And that is the start of the week that Jesus uh, goes towards his eventual death and resurrection on the cross. We as Christians celebrate that week as Holy Week. But on the Thursday night of Holy Week, Jesus meets with his 12 disciples for the Passover meal. And at that meal, Jesus foretold that one of his disciples would betray him. Is it me? Is it I, Lord? Who is it? They go around the table until they get to Judas Iscariot. And Jesus looks him in the eyes and says, what you are going to do, do quickly. And he leaves to betray Jesus to the leaders of the Jewish faith. After he's gone, Jesus predicts Peter's denial of Jesus. And then Jesus teaches on the character of God. He says, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. And he reveals that when he leaves, he's going to send his Holy Spirit, the helper, After this, Jesus, Peter, John and James leave the upper room and they go to a quiet place to pray, the Garden of Gethsemane. And it's here, in that small group, that we read our passage today. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. 
I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. And ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. There is so much to see and learn from these 11 verses alone, and I do not have time to go through it all now. So I'm going to pick out just a few choice pieces. The first thing that I want to look at, I am the true vine. That statement in itself is astounding, particularly the first two words, I am. And to understand the magnitude of these two words, we need to go to the Old Testament, Exodus 3, 13 to 15. It's Moses talking to God. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said this to Moses. Say this to the people of Israel. The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And thus, I am to be remembered throughout all generations. I am the very name of God. Now, I like to talk to Jesus a lot. <laughs> and one of my favorite questions to ask in passing is, who do you think Jesus is? And the most common answer I always get is, well, he's the son of God. Non-Christians don't seem to have a problem saying that Jesus is the son of God. It's the right answer, yeah? But my follow-up to that answer is always, you're right. Jesus is the son of God. But more importantly, Jesus is God, the son. I am who I am, fully man, fully God, divine. And if you'll excuse the pun, divine. The true vine. I'm sorry. <laughs> Throughout his teaching, Jesus continually uses metaphors so that the people of the day can relate and so that we too can relate. And today's no different. See, the metaphor here is the vine. 
but it's not a new metaphor. It is the evolution of one. And to understand this, again, we need to go back to the Old Testament. For there is another vine. Israel, as demonstrated in Psalm 90. Psalm 80, (laughs) verses 8 to 9. You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it. It took deep root and it filled the land. And the psalmist here compares Israel to a vine clipping that was taken out of Egypt. For 400 years, Israel lived as a minority group in Egypt, but God clipped them out and planted them into Canaan and made them his people. The psalmist says in verses 10 to 11, the mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. It sent out its branches to the sea and it shoots to the river. Israel flourished. But something changed. Verses 12 to 13. Why then have you broken down its walls so that all who pass along the way pluck its fruit? The boar from the forest ravages it and all that move in the field feed on it. As the people of Israel turn away from God and go their own way and disobey his laws, he withdrew his protection and the vine was despoiled by other nations. You see, despite all of God's generosity and his care, the people of Israel did not bring him the fruit that he desired. And so effectively, he decides to start again with one single obedient shoot, as suggested and prayed for in the psalm, verses 14 to 18. Turn again, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven and see. Have regard for this vine, the stock that your right hand planted, and for the son whom you made strong for yourself. They have burned it with fire. They have cut it down. May they perish at the rebuke of your face. But let your hand be on the man of your right hand, the son of man whom you have made strong for yourself. Then we shall not turn back from you. Give us life and we will call upon your name. The hope described in this psalm rests upon the man of your right hand, the son who you've made strong for yourself. Once he comes, the people will be made strong and fruitful and they will truly call upon the name of God. Jesus says, I am the true vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is the obedient shoot. Jesus is the beginning of a whole new planting by the Lord. Jesus is the only way and the only one who will give God 
the harvest that he deserves. We have Jesus, the true vine. We have his father, the vine dresser. And then we have two branches. I'll start with the difficult one first. The branch that does not bear fruit. Whenever I read the Bible, I have to remember that these letters were not written to me, but they were written for me. What Jesus said, he said for a purpose then, and he has a purpose for us now. And in that quiet garden of Gethsemane, the four of them, Jesus, I believe, is addressing something that's just happened to their group. For there was a branch among them that was not bearing fruit. His name was Judas Iscariot. He spent three years in Jesus' inner circle and yet still betrayed him. I think that Jesus was trying to explain what had just happened. It was painful. And it's warning to us now. You see, there will be people in churches who are there in name only. Perhaps they love the music. Perhaps the coffee is great. Perhaps they love the community. But it's a warning that unless we abide in Jesus, we may end up like Judas. We might miss the point. And so I want to pose some questions. Have you made a declaration that you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, God the Son, that he lived a sinless life, that he took the punishment for your sin and mine and died upon the cross, that three days later he rose again to show that he was God and that death had been defeated so that you and I can be reconciled to God and spend eternity with him if we ask for his forgiveness. Have you made a commitment to following Jesus's plan for your life, for the rest of your life, no matter the cost? And if the answer to those questions is no, I would like to ask if you'd like to do that today. If you want to, please come and find me at the end of the service. I'll be hanging about for a bit. Uh, or speak to whoever brought you here. Or speak to a Christian. But please speak to someone. Those are the branches that don't bear fruit. But what about those that do? These branches, I believe, are those that have made a commitment to Christ. And what Jesus says to us should be an encouragement. An encouragement to say that those who abide in him will bear more fruit. That their lives will look different. That their life will look pleasing to God. But it's only through pruning, oh, that sounds painful as well, that we will bear more fruit. And I think he is encouraging us that we will experience difficult times. 
disappointment, pain, injustice. But that through these times, we will be strengthened. For he is with us. He will encourage us to persevere, to go the distance and bear even more fruit. If you are in Christ, everything the Father speaks over Jesus, he speaks over you. That includes suffering, by the way, but also that you are highly favoured, that you are his beloved, that you are his son and heir, and that you will have eternal life both in length and in depth. When you put a tea bag into a cup of hot water, something happens. As the tea bag abides in the water, the tea leaves begin to flavour the water until it takes on the taste and colour of the tea bag. The longer the tea bag abides in the water, the stronger the flavour and the colour. And that's what happens when you abide in Christ and he abides in you the longer you abide in him and the deeper you go with him, the more his presence begins to permeate your life. And so what does it mean to abide in Christ? I think it's three things. And he tells us exactly what they are. Number one, study his word. In verse seven, he has said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. And it will be done for you. And as you study God's word, you're changed by his Holy Spirit. And your life does begin to look different. Number two, spend time in prayer with him. In verse nine, he said, as the father has loved me, so I've loved you. Abide in my love. Jesus wants you to know his love and his presence. In the same way we get to know other people in conversation, we get to know him and fall more in love with him in conversation. And number three, we need to obey his will. In verse 10, he says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. The closer you get to God, the more you'll want to do what he says. And the more you do what he says, the more fruit you produce that will be pleasing and glorifying to God. And so to summarise, Jesus is the son of God. He's God the son. He's the father's perfect shoot, his true vine. We're to abide in him through studying his word, spending time with him in prayer and obeying his commands. And through that, we will be more fruitful and the Father will be glorified.